The title of this morning's message is, Do You Want to Be Made Well? And that is a very poignant phrase, a poignant question, and we're going to look into that today. And it's going to get a little uncomfortable when we get into this a little bit. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Do you want to be made well? This was a sincere question. Jesus knew that not every sick person wants to be healed, and some become so discouraged that they put away all hope. Therefore, Jesus attempted to build the faith of this man. In this man's case, it was reasonable to wonder if he really wanted to be healed. An eastern beggar often loses a good living by being cured of his disease. As bad as his current situation was, at least he was familiar with it. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins our study in chapter 5 of the Gospel of John. But let's open up to John chapter 5, John's Gospel. And let me read to you the first 15 verses. That's what we're going to look at this morning. It says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, because wherever you go in Israel, you're always going up to Mount Zion. Uh, All the landscape, you're always going up. So whenever you read that, (laughs) they went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there, and he had an infirmity thirty-eight years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but While I am coming, another steps down before me. And so Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed, and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And then they said to him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. 
Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Father, we just thank you for this passage. And Lord, we pray that you would just uh, open it to us, Lord. And that you would encourage us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So John chapter 5, obviously we're at this place where Jesus is, is, is healing a paralytic man. And if you remember, this is the third sign or third miracle that Jesus did that is recorded for us. The first one we saw in chapter 2 where he turned the water into wine. The second one was one that we looked at last week, and that was the healing of a nobleman's son who was in Capernaum. And then finally today we'll see the healing of a paralytic man. And remember, all of these signs were for a purpose. They weren't here just to educate us and uh, tickle our fancies. They're here for a very specific purpose. In fact, John's uh, theme, if you will, for this entire gospel is recorded for us in the 20th chapter and in the 31st verse, where he said, These things are written. These things that we're reading are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. And so all of these things show God's power and strength over all things. After all, if he created the world and everything that's in them, and all the living creatures, and then finally us, isn't it very easy for him to speak to a man who is ill, has a disease? It doesn't matter what disease you have. If it's God's will, God can speak and heal you, even though you've got stage 5 cancer, if there exists such a thing. You could be on your deathbed, and the doctors have walked away, and your pulse has stopped. And God can breathe new life into you and say, rise, and you will rise. Because that's the God we serve. He's not an impotent God. He is an omnipotent God. He is all-powerful. He is able to do these things. The title of this morning's message is, Do You Want to Be Made Well? And that is a very poignant phrase, a poignant question, and we're going to look into that today. And it's going to get a little uncomfortable when we get into this a little bit, and it'll make sense as we get going here. But notice with me back at verse 1. It says, after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. We don't really know what feast this is. We know that between uh, John's uh, 4th and 5th uh, chapter here, they're chronolog- if they are in chronological order, and I believe they are, There are at least ten different things that are recorded that happen in the life of Jesus between these two chapters. And we know that the the Passover occurred in and around John chapter 3 and 4, because that was when Jesus met with Nicodemus around the time of the Passover. And so the feast that is mentioned here, it could be another Passover, because we know that there are uh, a few Passovers that are recorded, three of them, three or four of them, three of them, that are recorded in the Gospel of John. But the feast here, it could be the feast of, of the Passover. It could be the feast of Pentecost. There was enough time for some of those things to occur. So we don't really know, and it doesn't really matter. Um, but let's remember that the book of John was uh, cherry-picked. 
if you will, by Jesus, or by John, excuse me. All the events in this book are, are taken. Uh, you remember the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all cover similar uh, topics and similar things in the life of Jesus. But the gospel of John stands aside by itself. And so John just took those things that were going to show very clearly that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so um, that's good to remember as we go along. Now in verse 2, back in our text, it says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Bethesda is literally the house of mercy or the house of pity. And if you go to Jerusalem with us, you will see this uh, place, and most of it is covered today. There's only a small fraction of it. But if you were to look at the Temple Mount, uh, today, and you were look, uh, if you were to envision uh, the Temple Mount, right to the right of the Temple Mount is the Sheep Gate, and right to the north of that, or to the east of that, excuse me, are the pools of Bethesda. And um, basically, they were two enclosures, which were basically two big cisterns that held water. And um, th- this area in this location is where Jesus healed this man. And Like I said, if you go to Jerusalem or to Israel with us this next March, I would encourage you to pray about that. You will visit this place. You will visit this place. And today, this place is, um, here is St. Anne's Church right to the the east of this place called Bethesda. And remember that Jerusalem is a tell, meaning that many many, uh, cities or or many... um, civilizations upon Israel, upon Jerusalem have been built over the years. It's been destroyed and reconstructed, destroyed and reconstructed, thus creating layers, layers of, of, the, of the city over time. And so when you look at this, this is the only part that is visible today, and you can see the porticos uh, of this uh, place where Jesus did this healing. And um, it's a really fascinating place. Uh, there's been a lot of... Um, uh, excavation in those areas, and right to the south there, uh, which is underground that you can't see right now, is was the southern pool, and then to the north of that was the north pool, a very large place where these porticos and this porch, these porches that Jesus was at, and uh, a lot of history here, and when we visit that place, uh, we talk about all of these different things, but there's been many layers, Byzantine uh, churches, uh, a temple uh, from from uh, Hadrian have been built over this area. And again, um, but when you're there, you can look down and see the floor, the ground from where Jerusalem was, the, the street level at that time. And you can see where Jesus would have walked. And it's really a quite a fascinating place, quite a fascinating place. So in verse 3 it says, In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now you may notice in your Bible that there is a portion of these verses, the last part of chapter, or verse 3, excuse me, where it says, waiting for the moving of the water. In some manuscripts, that's not there. And including, uh, including chapter, or verse 4, excuse me, 
Uh, some of the manuscripts don't even have that there. But it doesn't really matter because when we get to verse 7, we know that it's still speaking of this idea of the water being moved. And there's something about this that is quite interesting. We know that uh, there's no Greek manuscripts uh, surviving before 400 A.D. that has these words in them. But I, I think it's interesting that the Lord includes it, the Holy Spirit includes it in here. Uh, because the people back at this time, just like we find in our culture and many cultures of the world, are very superstitious. And there's a lot of superstition in the world, and we will get to that. But would God have caused this to make it some kind of competition? As you read this, the man couldn't get down into the, into the pool unless somebody took him. Does that sound like the Lord to you? Honestly. Would God create, uh, on purpose, would he create a situation where the, the fittest and the, most, the, the survival of the fittest can get to the, to the, to the pool first and, and be healed? Does that sound like something the Lord would engineer himself? I don't think it is. But the Holy Spirit includes it in here to show the, 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 the thoughts of the people. He doesn't hide. I mean, if I were God, I would omit this from the Bible itself because I wouldn't want any kind of superstition in the Word of God. But I love the Word of God that it's very clear. It's, it doesn't apologize for what people were thinking. In fact, I think it's good that it, di- it does because it really exposes where people are at. And isn't the Word of God like that? Doesn't it expose us? And then doesn't it give us a solution? I love that about the Word of God. It doesn't talk about its, its heroes of the faith and, does, and, and leaves out all their bad things. No. We hear about Peter and denying the Lord three times. We hear all these things. God includes them. But see, God is not cruel. And I believe it is superstition that it crept into the lives of the people at this time. And superstition has no place for the child of God. Amen? And yet today, and in many cultures, over in Europe, when I was over in Bulgaria a few years ago... They're filled with superstition. Everything is superstitious. You know, uh, you got to be careful. You don't, you know, don't get married on Friday the thirteenth. You know, watch out for the black cats. Don't go under a ladder. You know, uh, don't step on the crack on the sidewalk. You might break your mother's back. You know, all these silly little things, and you know, we attribute all these things of chance. We we attribute them to, to something else, and we we fail to realize that God is in control. Believe me, we could have all the black cats parading in front of the sanctuary and we could continue preaching and God would be like, so what? They're cats. (laughs) I could be preaching under a ladder. I could be sharing under a ladder on Friday the 13th and stepping on a crack at the same time. There is one here, actually. But God is not cruel And why would God allow this man to be in in this state as long as he did? You know, we don't always understand the role of sickness and setbacks in our life, but God does. And let me ask you the question, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not, notice, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That is the thing that we need to do. We need to trust the Lord no matter what. Amen? In verse 6 in our text, it says, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, and notice the question, underline this question, because this is the topic, this is the, the, the title of the message this morning, is do you want to be made whole, to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? 
It would seem to make sense that here I am crippled, of course I want to be made whole. And you know what? It's very probable there were other people there with that man as well and wanted healing. And what about them? You know, have you ever thought about that? As he's there, he's one of many. And yet God, Jesus, he singles out this one man. The scripture doesn't say why he didn't heal. He only healed him and not everybody else. Why? I'll give you the answer, and I know for sure. I don't know. I don't know why God does that. But he looked at everyone there, and he was able to discern and to know and to understand who had the greatest need and who had the faith to be healed and who he was going to heal regardless of the measure of their faith. It was this man. It was this day. It was his time. Do you want to be made well? A very interesting question that we're going to develop here this morning. We're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, and let me read it to you. You recall that this uh, happened right before Jesus' triumphal entry, within the last week of his life here on the earth. Remember, as he is going, he is down in Jericho in the Jordan plain, and he is going to make his ascent from from Jericho, excuse me, He's going to make his ascent from Jericho there in the Jordan Plain all the way up into Jerusalem. And it says that when he came to Jericho, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, notice he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, this is a a messianic phrase, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, The Son of David, have mercy on me. And what does Bethesda mean? Mercy. (laughs) It's kind of interesting how we're looking at this passage, and yet the Bethesda is the house of mercy. Have mercy on me, God. And then in verse 49 of that same chapter, Jesus stood still, and he commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. And again, notice the question that Jesus asked. Jesus answered and said unto him, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Are you kidding? Can't you see that my eyes, I'm blind. I had to stagger to get here. I had people help me to to, to find you, Jesus. The obvious, it's very obvious. Can't you see? I'm blind. What do you want me to do for you? This seems like an obvious question. Very similar question to what Jesus asked this lame man here in John 5. But Jesus knew that Bartimaeus was blind. But notice that he waited to see how he would answer. Just because he was blind, he may have had something different. He may have asked for something different. Maybe the man would ask, you know what, I've got a family member who's dying. Could you please heal them? But he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? He goes beyond the obvious. What do you want? And Jesus encourages us today to ask him. In James chapter 4, verse 2, it says, You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And the obvious thing is, for God wants us to ask. And obviously when we ask, we ask according to his will. And if I ask according to his will, I'm not going to ask him things that I know are sinful. I'm not going to ask him things that I know are against the word of God. 
I'm not going to ask him things that are going to just, I'm just going to gratiate upon my flesh. I can say, Lord, I want one of those new Escalades with leather interior, Corinthian leather from Italy because they make the best leather, amen? And the best pasta and everything else. But anyway, I could ask him for all these things when God say, Rob, what are you going to do with that? Oh, I'm going to pick up the people and bring them to church. Oh, really? Could you do that in a Volkswagen instead? Mm, no, I really can't. I need that Escalade, brand new, you know, 2023 model. Hasn't come out yet, but I want that one. And see, he knows the, the, our hearts. He knows, but he wants us to ask. Ask. In fact, in Matthew 7, what did Jesus say? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. The, the, the idea of persistence is here. You keep knocking. You keep asking. Don't just give up. You pray one time. Oh, it didn't work. I guess I'm going to move on. No, you keep asking, and you keep praying. You keep praying. Perseverance is something that we need today. We so easily give up. Don't give up, saints. You keep asking. You keep knocking. You keep praying. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man there is among you, if he asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Jesus in John chapter 16 would say, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father, notice, in my name. In my name. There's the clue. I don't just ask for anything. If I ask it in his name, I'm going to ask it because it's necessary for what God has for me in my life. It's okay to ask for other things too, but don't get disappointed if you don't get that house on Lake Avenue. He may give it to you. (laughs) He may just give it to you, but he is not a rabbit's foot, and we don't ask him to consume things upon our lust. But he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, he said to his disciples, you've asked me nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I love that. Ask. Now, I believe that the vast majority of people who are sick or crippled, they want to be healed. They want to be whole. Wouldn't you agree? The vast majority of people who are in those conditions do want to be made whole. But Jesus didn't put these words in here. He didn't waste his time. And what I'm going to share is going to sting a few of you, and and I don't mean it to. But I've known situations like this. I've met people who are in this condition. And and I'm not saying that if you are infirm, if you um, have some kind of issue or disease or whatever, that this applies to you at all. It may, it may not, okay? But I've seen this in my own life, and I believe there are some people who don't want to be healed. Have you met somebody who didn't want to be healed? I think the majority of people do, but I've met some that do not want to be healed. There are some people that would rather stay in their predicament. Their predicament is predictable. It's safe. They've learned that it doesn't require faith. It doesn't require any effort. And unfortunately, they get stuck there. Have you known somebody to get stuck in something? And they just, they don't, they gave up. They've given up. They don't want to do it. Why might this happen? Because some have either been sick or maimed for so long it becomes a part of their identity, doesn't it? This is who I am. I've been I've been in this wheelchair for 10 years and that's the way I'm going to I'm always going to be there and I'm going to be here forever. And again, don't misunderstand me. There are people who are seriously maimed and, and ill and
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.